Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle. My co-host is Rachel Santizo. Hello, Randall. Oh, hello. And our guest is Jen Belt. Hi, Jen. Hello, Jen. Uh, I've, Hi, been trying, I've been trying to get Jen on for a couple of years now, uh, but, it, but the it schedule good? didn't work out. Matt just gave us some Ooh. new uh, statistics that are really interesting. Uh, you know, there are people who occasionally tune in or something like that, and then they have something they call active listeners. And, mm. and we have, for, with be, you know, between all pro- platforms that we're on, like YouTube and iTunes and Spotify and all that kind of stuff, we have 17,000 active listeners. So to all you yeah, 17,000, thank you very much. And and one other thing he broke, broke down. Well, I'll tell you. That laugh right now. Well, <laughs> like, we have 85 active listeners in Russia. This is so mind-blowing. Uh, it it is. is. We're sitting in this little studio like... in Salt Lake City, Utah. And, and hello, Russia. Hi, Igor. <laughs> I, I, yeah, he, it, he, we say we joke that Igor is is her boyfriend or yeah, something. Yeah, and, and, yeah. I, and I joke that if Igor ever wants to come to visit us, I'll buy him some good vodka. Right? <laughs> nice. Yeah. But and and then here's the other thing: we have three thousand active listeners in Salt Lake, and the next closest city is Iowa, Columbus, Columbus, Ohio, Ohio. Two thousand so active close. listeners in Columbus. Yeah, Where Colum- is that? That actually blows my mind more. We I know. Need to figure it out. I know. Just I wish somebody, somebody in Columbus, if you could, uh, if you could somehow get a hold of us, all you got to do is is um, just go just Facebook. Google, yeah, Google Odyssey House of Utah, mm-hmm. and you can go to our our uh, web page. And look under people who work there, and it'll be you'll find me and and with my uh, with my email address, right. and just tell me why we have so many listeners and viewers in Columbus because it's a mystery to us. Yeah, we would love to know more. Yes, yes. So Jen Belt is our guest. You you look very happy and and content, and and life is going good. Life is going great. Tell but, us all about it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she may not want to share everything, but uh, let's, well, let's, we always start out with the bad. So let's start out with the good. What's going good in your life right now? Uh, I just started school. Yay. Where? Uh, Slick. Good for you. Um, Which is I, Salt Lake Community College for you outsiders. Yeah. Yes. And I want to do uh, forensic social work yes. so that I can study the criminogenic side of things. Um, I also work for Odyssey. So we have a lot of therapists and I want to I want to get more into the criminal side of things and understand the mind of a criminal. I think it's more to understand myself, um, to understand how my brain works. And so um, it took me two years. It took me two years to get the courage to go because I haven't been in school since 1998. I dropped out of school in ninth grade. And so and then I got my GED in prison. And so I it took me two years to get the courage because I was intimidated. I didn't understand how college worked. And I really didn't ask the questions to find out. Um, but then I have um, a couple mentors that are like, you need to do this. And then when I realized they did a placement test to find out where you're at in your education and like you take those classes, I, I was sad that I waited so long, but I'm doing great. I got 100% in all my classes. Things are going really well. And uh, my kids are healthy. 
Um, I love Odyssey. I just got approved. I, I take uh, meetings into the prison now, so I'm actively involved in the criminal justice system. Um, I'm also a forensic peer support specialist. And so I'm constantly like improving my trainings to be the best version of myself that I can be. And kids are really good and healthy. And so, yeah, life is great. And, but it wasn't always. No. Yeah. For a number of years, uh, you, well, maybe tell us your story. I mean, because you really have sort of an interesting background, uh, how things started and, and where it went downhill and then how you came back uphill. Well, my journey started obviously 39 years ago. Um, <laughs> I was born. Okay, that's great, Jen. Yeah, that's no, I grew, up, I, I grew up in a not so fortunate situation. You know, I had a single mom and two kids. She did the best she could. She raised us on $3.80 an hour. Um, I, I, was, I had a lot of sexual abuse as a child on various different uh, various different. Um, ages. Uh, I discovered alcohol with my cousins um, at the age eight. 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 So Jeez. black velvet. Black velvet was was what I drank for the first time. Um, there were times where I remember stealing my mom's cigarettes. Um, and then I started using cocaine with my cousins at the age 11 and 12. Um, and so at, at that age, um, I started to get criminal activity. So I had really old boyfriends. Uh, when I was nine, I had a 16-year-old boyfriend. Never really any structure or like I never had... Um, I was a runner. Like I was always out doing my own thing. Mom would be at work. So she, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I had an older brother, but, um, when I was, I got my first minor consumption when I was 13. Were you living here in Utah? No, I'm from Idaho. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's even, I, I mean, know that's it's even yeah, more conservative than Utah. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. So I, I always, I always found myself with older men. Um, I was, like I said, my mom was a single mom. Um, I, I always engaged myself with the party crowd. I ended up dropping out of school in ninth grade, continuing to use. I used drugs pretty much all of my teenage years. And then I found my first husband um, when I was 17. Um, and I was in jail. We planned my wedding through the phone in jail. Um, and I got out at 18. And what were you in jail for? Possession of or being under the influence of a possession. No, possession of a simulated controlled substance in a public area. What's a simulated controlled yeah, substance? So it wasn't actually meth. It was baggied up. I had gotten pulled over and um, I was driving somebody else's car. And that's the truth. Like some people are like telling yeah, stories. Yeah. And there was like 15 <laughs> baggies of Epsom salt. Um, underneath the console, inside the console, and um, the cops, I had been in trouble several times, and the cops had told me, we will find a way to get you for this, because when they tested it on the street, it didn't test positive for meth. And so I ended up with the charges, charges later, and because I was 17, um, when I was sentenced, I had turned 18, and so the judge made sure that I got the maximum sentence of 90 days in a jail instead of a, in an adult jail. Yeah, yeah. in an adult wow. jail, okay. which is a long time for an 18 year old. Yeah. Right. Um, so I did. I, I did time there for 90 days. Um, you arrange a marriage. I arranged my marriage. Yep, I sure did. Uh, when I turned 18, I, I I wasn't allowed to live with mom anymore, and so I 
went to live with my first husband's mom, um, I ended up turning to, I continued to use drugs. Um, I found out I was pregnant when I was 18, mm -hmm. gave birth to my daughter uh, when I was 19. State took her because I never stopped using. Um, I think that was really, I really, I can look back at my life and understand the, like the powerlessness of addiction. Yeah. Um, I think as a child, like that's pretty much what I knew is the party life. So like, I didn't have any conscious or like ability to like, see, you know, I knew it was wrong. Right. We all know it's wrong when your drugs are bad, you got to hide them and all that things. But like my conscious is like, I really don't have a reason to change my life. And I remember battling as I was pregnant, like the demons that I was fighting when I was pregnant, um, knowing that it's not okay to do what I'm right, doing, right. but not having any kind of control. Um, I th There was a couple months where I got clean and then I was in a great relationship, a very toxic relationship. Um, but again, that was my lifestyle. And so when I gave birth to my daughter, um, I had a moment of reality check because they took my daughter from the... Um, from the hospital. And, um, I now have somebody telling me that you can't do this. Like this is, if you want your kid, this is what you got to do. And I did it really well. Yeah. Like, tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. Right. I'm really good at doing that. Like, okay. In order to get your kid back, you got to do this, 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 this. They labeled me the best case in the state of Idaho. I had my daughter back. Everything was great. I got an apartment. I was working to get my CNA license up at a hospital. Like for the first time in my life, I was a person. Right. Yeah. But I was being told what to do. And I had somebody watching over me. So that was easy. Um, but then my Ex got out of prison or out of jail and started engaging again. And it wasn't long before I relapsed. Um, and then I got involved when I was 22. I got involved with um, Latinos that were from a cartel when I was 22. Well, I was I met them when I was 20. I was with them for a year and a half, almost two years until I was 22 when I was indicted with federal charges. Um, I was, what drugs were you involved with at meth. that time? Okay. Meth was my, I, I never, always, and I, I don't say never as in, oh my God, I'm better than. I'm saying never as in, fortunately, yeah. Um, Idaho didn't have a lot of heroin. Yeah. Idaho didn't have a lot of like, I, maybe they did and I just wasn't familiar right. with it. But the crowd that I ran with was meth. Meth was my right. thing, sometimes cocaine, but meth was my, definitely my, my go-to. Um, and so I... I went to federal prison um, again. Somebody's over my thumb. I was able to do all the things. You know, I went to a, a treatment center that was at a federal halfway house pending my sentencing and pending all the charges and everything. Um, I ended up doing 46 months. Um, I It was great. I went to the judge ready for sentencing thinking, oh my okay, I've done all this treatment. I've, done, I've proved myself. And for some reason, and I call it God, I know that whatever's whatever, but for me, um, that judge looked at me <laughs> and he said, I, well, at the time it was a different name. He, and he's like, Jen, he goes, I want to let you know, like, I am so proud of you for everything that you've done. You have 16 letters of referencing. You can get your daughter back. You have DCFS here to fight for you to get your kid back. But something in my soul tells me that you need just a little bit more help. He's like, so I'm going to go ahead and sentence you to the guidelines at that time. They couldn't stray away from the guidelines right. back then. Um, so I got sentenced to 46 months. I had already done two years. Um, and so they shipped me out to uh, Dublin, California. 
But the crazy thing is, is I had to self-surrender. Do you know how hard it is to take yourself to yeah. prison and say, Jeez. here I am, right? <laughs> you mean so, you have to pay your own way to yeah, get to Yeah, I had to pay my own way, yeah. Put me in jail. Yeah, and that's because I requested to get all my affairs in order with my daughter. I had to go to DCFS court and figure that out, and I had to go through all that. So I, I ended up going to prison. Best thing that could have happened to me. How old was she? Um, she was... She was born in 2003, two, she was two, yeah. Um, I signed over my rights to her grandmother so that she wasn't remaining in the system. Um, And I knew this was a hard decision for me, but I knew that I couldn't give her the life that I wanted her. And I didn't, I didn't want to, and I was going to fight, but once I was sentenced, I, you know what I mean? So I took the chance and let her be adopted. Um, knowing that I might not see her as often, but there's still a chance, right? She's right. not going to be with the family that, um, that that I don't even know, right? And so I let I let her grandma, my ex-husband's, uh, my first husband's mom adopt her. She adopted her best choice I could have made for that little girl. Um, prison was the best thing that I can tell you that changed my life. Um, when I went to federal prison, I was 22 years old um, with, 12, 13-year-old emotions, right? Because when you use meth, you stop growing right. emotionally. So I was 22 years old. I was thousands of miles away from my family. Um, I, I I didn't have, I had support, but I didn't have like people, I never got a visit the entire time I was there. And I to this day, I'm so thankful because it literally removed me away from what I knew. Mm-hmm. And I took every class in federal prison, even if people are like, why are you doing that class? I'm like, because I don't know how to live life. Like, yeah. I don't have skills. I'm not a good mom, a friend. You know, I knew how to sell drugs, rob people, do more drugs and do all those things. Like, I didn't know how to live life. So I, I took communication skills, relationship skills, active listening skills, every drug program they offered. I was the senior baker. So I got good at skills that um, were new to me, and I took advantage of every single one of wow. them. I studied every religion in prison. Um, I got really familiar with like my relationship with my higher power and like the spiritual connection that I have today. Um, and I did that really well um, because I had direction and structure, right? Yeah, you were like a model prisoner. Yeah. Oh, and people would get so mad at me. Why are you so happy? I'm like, because these are like, this is great, right? Like, this is like life. Like, I'm feeling these feelings wow. and everything's great. So I loved it there. And I did really well. You know, I supported myself for the most part. I made $75 a month. And I had to budget my money, right? Like to us, it's like, wow, that's coffee for the month, right? But no, like I had to do everything that I needed to. I'd call my mom once a week. I would always try to call my daughter and write her letters every day. And I had my mom keep all her letters in a box because I had faith that as long as I did what I was supposed to, one day I was going to see her again. You felt like a woman. Yeah. Like it was so cool to like grow up, right? Um, (laughs) And it's crazy because I learned in psychology class today off topic really fast that you don't your your uh your prefrontal cortex doesn't even really start growing or mature until you're 25. So right. yeah. of course right. I'm going to make impulsive decisions, right? And make so when I got out, I was at that age, right? So I got out in 2009 and I was 26 years old. Um and my life I just saw through a different pair of eyes. Mm. So the majority or the the small time from 18 to 22, the irrational decisions I think like, yeah, I'm, I'm new to life and only new one way of life, right? And then prison, I got to grow up with these new skills 
from 22 until I was 26. And I got, and I didn't realize this until like I put my timeline together, but so I got to grow up and see a new pair of eyes. When I got out of prison, people didn't recognize me. Like the way that I talked, um, the way that I was, I was a completely different person. I chose, so my dad, bless his heart in, in heaven, um, my dad told me, if you want to change your life, come to Utah and I'll give you the life that you never had. Mm. And um, he wasn't my biological father. He was my older brother's father. But to me, that's my dad. Mm. And so I came out here. I didn't know the street names. I didn't know nothing about Utah. Yeah. I came out here and I did really well for myself um, for the first. So from 2009, um, I, I met my husband. Don't meet your husband at a halfway house, but it seemed like a good idea at this time. <laughs> I met my husband at the halfway house. We had to jump through all these hoops, but we were married for 11 years. Wow. Um, the first six years of our marriage were phenomenal. You know, I, I was successful. I made $52,000 a year from home. Mm -hmm. Like I had my daughter, life was great. But what I know that I did wrong was, um, I replaced recovery with religion mm -hmm. and I separated myself from the recovery lifestyle and I became of a certain faith and, um, I felt like it was what's best for me. And it was nice because being around this kind of group of people, I didn't have to talk about that side of Jen anymore. So it was like out of sight, out of mind, right. not realizing that those are the people that I needed in my life to help me when I started my, my mess ups. Right. And so I, um, it wasn't long before I decided that I could drink like a gentleman. Okay, so, okay. You know what I mean? Like I can, I, I've been clean this long. Right. I can drink a little bit. Right. And I did that. I socially drank me and my husband socially drank, take it or leave it for three years. Okay. Um, and okay. So we That's socially hear about, cause I, yeah. yeah I so we socially know. drank. Right. Yeah. But again, I saw, and so then I slowly started moving away from my religious family because that was definitely not allowed, right? So then, so then I was kind of in limbo, yeah. right? But I felt like I had control. And he was in recovery too. Yeah. Well, he was more of a um, a DBT cognitive person. Okay. More, I was more an AA person okay. or like a um, always got to be working on yourself type of person, right? And so he let me go to meetings. Everything would be great. He was more of a loner. He liked to fish and do all those things. It worked. He was calm. I'm wild, right? Like yeah. he was. He was older. So our model so was. Right? I know. Our, yeah. our motto was. He kept me responsible, and I kept him young because he was significantly older than me, um, and and that worked for a little bit. But um, so we started drinking socially. Well, when you bring that kind of lifestyle into your life, for me, it brought those other type of people into my life. So it wasn't long before I um, started drinking more progressively, right? It, it, I started drinking more, more than just weekends. It, it's, it's crazy because in sure. the AA book, it talks about this, yeah. drinking only at parties, drinking all these things, and it yeah. so applies to my life now. Um, and so I, I did that. I did that for um, three years. And then at the, in the end of drinking, it, I was hanging out with a friend that um, I started drinking with a lot. Lots of trips, lots of black velvet, lots of different things. Um, and I knew that that person was high one day. Mm -hmm. um, and I can tell you where I went wrong is, yes, absolutely. Alcohol is not my drug of choice. 
But what I can tell you is I cannot tell you that I will not take dope if I'm in a bar with somebody offers me a line of dope in the bar. I can't tell you if I'm drunk, I'm going to do it. And if I do it, I lose control. There's no in and out for me. I'm either all in recovery or I'm all out running a gun. And there's never been a a, a in between other than the socially drinking, but it proved to not work. Um, And so the right, the right person came along and this is how insane my addiction was. Um, Me and my husband sat down and had a conversation of how we were going to make this work, Mm. of how we were going to use it, how often we were going to use it. And it wasn't like my life was bad. My life, everything in my life, I had everything I ever wanted, the house, the car, the job, the kid, the husband. My life was perfect. Yeah. Um, Except for. (laughs) Except for we wanted to have fun, right? And so we literally had a conversation about how it was going to make it work. And how we were going to get back from it if it became a problem. Um, three and a half years um, of straight use. The first two years was fun. Like we 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 had the money. We afforded it. Um, it was a weekend thing. Uh, we didn't use an IV. We like we did really really well. Responsible. 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 What do they call it? They, addicts. They call it a functioning addict, right? Yeah. In my yeah. mind, this yeah. is the power of my addiction, right? Right. Like, right. Absolutely. And so, we're doing great. Life is great. Well, then Jen gets a little paranoid, and I'm telling you, when I get high and I get paranoid, I'm thinking the government's yeah. everywhere, right? And so, mm-hmm. it wasn't long before realizing like um, that I couldn't function. So. November of 2014 is when I first used. So from 2000 and um, 2007 to 2014, I, I this that was my first relapse. Um, and my dad died. I did well, right? My dad died in August of 2015. Uh, 2015. So when that happened, were you alone here? You had your husband, and then it was. Just- just I've always just husband. had my husband here. All my family's not home. Okay. Um, my dad died. Um, my how did he die? I get emotional. Okay, you <laughs> don't a, have to. He say. Uh, no, no, he's fine. He was fine. Everything was great. He got a. He got told that he had poor circulation. That my dad was 120 pounds soaking wet. Okay, but he was told that he had poor circulation in his legs, which was a common thing with all his family. So I think he's like one of 16 siblings, and so he. He had poor circulation. I had my grandpa die that way. Um, I think my uncle died that way um, within the last couple of years. And so when I met with him, I seen him and because I was staying with him when I at, when I had st- when he realized and I told him that I started relapse and I he's like, I, I want you to come and stay with me so we can get you back on track. Yeah. And so I stayed the last five weeks of his life with him side by side. My little girl got to spend time with him, sleep on his lap. Yeah. She took him everywhere the last five weeks. I'm thankful for that. Um, but he he went to sleep and he didn't get up that night. He told me, he said, um, I was leaving to go stay with my husband and watch, um, his family's camper for two days. Cause they were going to leave and they couldn't leave it there. And so we went out there and my dad told me, I don't think you should go. Your uncle's coming over. I think that you should stay here. And I'm like, no dad, I got to go. And the last words that he said to me, cause he was helping me out of Ogden get up to, um, Colville and he was giving me directions and he said, I love you, baby girl. That was, that's what he called me. And I said, I love you too, daddy. And then I, that was the last time I heard from him. So um, this is really cool. So that night at three, I, I like that night, it was so weird. Um, there was a lot of meth-induced psychosis throughout my time. 
Uh, but this, even if it was meth-induced psychosis, it was real to me, and I hold on to this. That night, I kept calling. Me and my husband had gotten a fight, and he went and stayed at the camper. I got a motel room, and I kept calling him. I need to call my mom and dad. I feel like I'm not going to make it through the night. Like, I had this weird feeling that I wasn't going to survive the night. Yeah. And so I um, I didn't. I passed out. I woke up at 3 a.m., and I couldn't. I felt like I couldn't breathe. Like, it was so weird. So I got in my car, and I went over to the... Um, I went over to the to where my husband was staying and I ended up staying there because I was so worried that something was going to happen to me and um, come to find out that's that's the same time that my dad was dying. Yeah. And so that stuff like that. Happens. Yeah. So that morning, right, I woke up and my husband had left that morning. I woke up and I was headed down the canyon to go back to my dad's and I got a call saying, hey, your dad died last night and I lost it. Um, and that I, 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 spiritual thing, like I'm really into light and spirit and, and energy and stuff like that. And when I got back to his house, I hit the ground and something in my soul broke, um, in a way that I've never felt like, because like my dad was like my dad, right. But something in my soul broke. I lost the man that gave me the life. That I've always wanted, right? I lost the guy that like was, he was a, the perfect rock and example to me my whole life. I just didn't have the ability to be with him all the time, right? He was the perfect example that I needed to like, if I would have had him, I think I would have been successful. Mm, but I, I think he's so, plus he provided you for this space. Like I know, yeah. I know it's challenging and I love seeing you cry in, in this sense because you are one of the most courageous, strongest women that I know. Right. And you're always uplifting and positive for everyone else. And I get to see you. Yeah. Right. And he also introduced you to Utah yeah. and you're still here. Yeah. Yeah. Like this yeah. is his home. Yeah. And he provided you here, which provided you with us. And, yeah. And I know we're probably running out of time. And so uh, it's like knowing I think he actually provided you with a lot and yeah. still does and yeah. provides us with a lot because of that. You yeah. know, and yeah. so. Actually, I, I can see a lot, a lot more. And so um, just pointing that out to you, because I know I'm grateful and I know. And the ways that we're grateful is because we feel the pain or the struggle. Yeah. Creates that more gratefulness for us. You know? And I feel like he's with me all the time. And so I ended up when I after he died um, in 2018, I tried to get help in 2016. I sought out Odyssey House because I knew I didn't want that life anymore. I knew that I needed to get life back. Um, and so I started seeking help, but it took me, and that's when I met you for the first time in FTR in 2016 up at Sugar House. Yeah. And then um, she's yeah. she's got a seed. So let me tell you. So she, I'm going to share this real quick. So she had sat down with me and I was going through a lot of psychosis and she looked at me. And when she looked at me, she looked at me so deep in my soul and she said, Jen, in order to gain everything, you have to lose everything, including your children. And I was like, this crazy lady, she doesn't know what she's talking about. In 2018, that's resonated with me because at this point I had lost everything, mm -hmm. pretty much even my child. And so um, I ended up going to um, Odyssey in 2018 and super successful. I have almost five years um, clean and sober this time. Yes. And I'm way different than I've ever been in my life. I'm actively involved. I work the steps. I work with sponsees. I go to the prison. I'm involved with Odyssey all different ways. Um, super involved in the recovery community. And um, I have so much to offer someone. So I'm just continuing my education so that I can be the best version of myself to help people that went through a lot of the trauma that I did. You are so up all the time. I can't even imagine what you must have been like on meth. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like 
the way you talk now and the speed and everything yeah. and being up, I mean, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, yeah. yeah. You know, it's, really it's like <laughs> you'd be great on a first date because you do all the talking. Nice. So right. Yeah. I love yeah. it. And the first time I saw you was when you came to the parents program at Odyssey, right? And you had a time period before they determined that it would be appropriate for your daughter to come join you yeah. and live in the program. And I just happened to be there the day that her grandma brought her over from Colorado yeah. to be reunited with you. Uh, and it was it was in the back parking lot of the administration building. And it was like, well, I, and I just started working at Odyssey. And so I've sort of followed you through and we've been friends from there. And, and I know Aspen, for, I think she would recognize oh, me yeah. anyway. Absolutely. So, uh, so things are good now. And, and you're working in the same house that you went through, yeah. right? The parents program. Yep. It worked. It worked. Process works. If you want it. If you want it. Yeah. Something's got to change. If you, if you want it. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. special. That's Thank you for special. sharing your story. Uh, you're, it's an amazing story. Yeah. And I'm glad you came uh, and, and are willing to share because that's one of the, being honest is one of the things that you, we're all in, all three of us are in recovery and, and being honest about it is one of the most important things. And you're brutally honest <laughs> <laughs> and a good person. Thank you. We're rooting for you. Good. We love you. Super proud of you. We yeah. love you. Yeah. Thank you for watching another edition of Odyssey House Journals.